Welcome to Stellar Conversations, a series of conversations between WPP senior female leaders and a group of our future leaders. WPP is the world's leading advertising and marketing services group, and Stella is WPP's network for senior female talent. My name is Frances Illingworth, and I'm a founding member and chair of WPP Stella and WPP's global recruitment director. I'm delighted to introduce our next series of Stella Conversations. In each episode, we will pair one of our most successful female leaders with some of our high potential female talent from the WPP network. During this episode, we explore Michelle Harrison's career path to CEO of Kantar Public. Kantar Public is a leading global consulting and research business that partners with governments around the world. Michelle also leads the WPP government practice. She's interviewed by Ema Hunter, Executive Director of Business Development and Marketing for Landor in Europe. Ema has been with Landor since 2000 and has an unbeaten success rate of project wins and developing opportunities for business growth. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you for being here this morning. I'm very excited to have this discussion um, on this Stella podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Shall we jump straight in, Michelle? Why not? And um, maybe we have a bit of a warm up. And I have um, 10 quick fire questions I would love to ask you uh, to get to know you a little bit better. Ready? Yep. So introvert or extrovert? Uh, very extrovert, I think. Early bird or night owl? Increasingly more and more an early bird, I'm afraid. Picnic or a nice restaurant? Oh, cheese sandwich on the sofa. <laughs> Wonderful. Dress up or dress down? Mm, uh, dress down. Detailed or abstract? Both. Uh, a- abstract, I guess. Yes, in terms of dominant. Call or text? Text. Classic or modern? Modern. Relaxing bubble bath or party champagne bubbles? Relaxing bubble bath. (laughs) And adventurous or cautious? Adventurous, very much so. I can get a sense of that from you already. And our last quickfire one, asking questions or answering questions? Definitely asking. So this is going to be a bit awkward for me, probably. (laughs) You'll be wonderful. That was a great warm up and a good insight into a little bit more about you. Now, if we perhaps delve a little bit deeper. Yeah. I'd love if you could tell us a little bit more about WPP government practice and public sector. Okay, thank you. So um, the WPP government practice has its origins back uh, towards the end of 2012. And actually what happened um, was that as a result, actually, of a presentation at the Cabinet Office um, in UK government uh, that I'd been working on, we made a decision that we needed to begin to create more of a horizontal structure in WPP to bring the best of our abilities together to serve government clients around the world. So initially, our focus was on UK government. And then from 2013 onwards, we began to build uh, hub structures around the world to bring together our capability across WPP to service government clients. So um, at its heart, what the WPP government and public sector practice does is it it enables the very best of our capability around all areas of government communications to be delivered to governments at the at the national level around the world. And also we work with some super 
national um, public sector organisations too. So um, it's about the better delivery of government communications and increasingly over time that has taken us into areas of the digital transformation of government communications and also into whole population level public policy programmes that are around behaviour change. I believe you're also CEO of Cantor Public. Can you talk to us a little bit about how these both these roles dovetail together? Okay, so um, the Cantor Group has always had the largest part of the work we do within WPP globally in terms of work specifically for government. So back in uh, the autumn of 2016, um, within Kantar, we brought together all of our teams that had expert expertise in, um, in public policy work around the world to create a new brand for Kantar called Kantar Public. So that's a consulting and insight business. And I suppose at its core, what it's doing is it's providing the evidence base for governments around the world to help them improve their decision making around public policy. And that takes us into the delivery of public policy through government services and government communications. And where it integrates very well into the WPP government practice is that Kantar Public is often providing the insight around which public policy is made and then we have capability amongst our creative agencies, our PR agencies, our media agencies to bring that to bear in terms of actually delivering the communications of it out to the population. If I can, can I take a step back for a minute and really sort of go back to the beginning of your career and the journey that you've taken because it's quite fascinating. I understand prior to taking on your current role that you have a long history as an advisor in the UK government and indeed you wrote and co-wrote a number of journals and books. Um, I'm sure you've collected many fascinating stories along the way. And I wonder if I've got a double question here, if you could perhaps share one of those um, stories, perhaps, and also talk to me a little bit about the turning point along that journey that has brought you to your current role. So I suppose the first part of that is... Uh, initially after I uh, left university, well I suppose I didn't quite leave university because I thought that I wanted to be a career academic. So after my undergraduate I worked as a research assistant and then I did a PhD and then I did a postdoctorate and it was in the area of political science and political economy and um, I did my doctorate, this is many many years ago now, on the development problems of uh, small island economies. So I had a view of myself that I would be a career academic and focused on these issues of global public policy. And then towards my late 20s, I started to understand that actually I really wasn't going to be very good um, as an academic. I'm, uh, I began to realise I'm not at my best working by myself and um, I... You know, I, I'm very pleased I was able to do that work and the books we were able to publish at that point, but um, I wasn't enjoying myself. I used to enjoy the lecturing, but otherwise I'd sort of spend all day trying to force myself to sit down and write. So I made a decision in my late 20s that whilst I absolutely loved the arena of public policy, I didn't want to be working in academia. I wanted to be working in business or a think tank. And I found my way actually to work 
um, in a business that was then known as the Henley Centre for Forecasting, which had been recently acquired by WPP. So I was 29 at that point, and I uh, started right at the very bottom in uh, in that business as a as a consultant. And actually, that was a tremendous period. Then I was there for the next 10 years, and we did a lot of commercial work and a lot of um, marketing strategy for corporates. But alongside that, we built up a public policy team and that was a wonderful era it was the Blair era leading into the Brown era and UK government where we were focused and it was um it was really a wonderful era for progressive public policy and um, we got to do some really exciting work and I look back on that actually as some halcyon days in terms of the actual client work that we were doing scenario building on the future of different parts of uh, public policy I had a tremendous time we were getting invited in and out of number 10 etc I, I loved every minute of it um, after that I took on the role as the managing director of uh, this was a, at the same time that we were that Kantar acquired TNS and I took on the role of the managing director of a business that we integrated to be TNS BMRB and it was um, one of our largest social research agencies in Britain and that coincided actually with um, with Gordon Brown and an era in British government of uh, what we now refer to as deliberative consultation. So this was a period, it was before uh, 2010, and uh, there was a lot of investment in public policy, and we did some amazing work uh, la running large-scale public consultations for a number of different government ministers, and including Gordon Brown, the Prime Minister, and I think some of the best fun I ever had at work, and some of the, some of the most valuable, I think, contributions we made um, happened at that time. We did large-scale deliberative consultations on whether or not Britain should have a written constitution. We did uh, deliberative consultations on the future of the NHS. We did the Dilnot inquiry on the future of social care in Britain. I, I was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I can see you smiling there. It sounds like it was a lot of fun. I think it's very brave to change direction in your career like that, but it seems to have certainly paid off. If if I change direction again a little bit and bring you back to the present day, um, and you've already mentioned how um, it was 2012, I think, when you, you mentioned you set up um, the government practice. A huge amount has changed now since then. And I'm wondering how, the, you know, this change in the world has shaped the expansion of the practice and influenced the, the offer and the services that, that you deliver for your clients. Well, you're absolutely right. It's been um, a moment of tremendous change internationally in public policy, but also in in the way in which governments are trying to engage with citizens and uh, the challenges in sort of advanced democratic states and also the challenges in other forms of states that are also have uh, very significant challenges from a public policy point of view. Actually, one of the best things about that about this period from a WPP point of view is that some of the most significant challenges that governments are recognising they have can be ever better answered by WPP skill set. 
So if we look at three of the things that have been changing dramatically over the last few years, so let's start with issues to do with um, fake news and the need to re-engage citizens. This is what we can do absolutely brilliantly. If we look at the extent of the pace of digital transformation, which um, is as profound for governments as it is for, for business, WPP is so well placed to help with the digital transformation of the way in which governments communicate. And then if we look at some of the um, most significant challenges of our time that governments are dealing with, whether that's, uh, you know, ageing societies, whether or not that's uh, issues to do with obesity or the environment or, or democratic engagement. All of these things require behaviour change at the mm -hmm. population level. Mm -hmm. Governments can tax or they can regulate or they can communicate and often they would prefer to communicate first before they tax or regulate or legislate. And, and we're fantastically skilled at that. So it's been wonderful, actually, to be able to do this at that moment where WPP's integrated skill set has never been more valuable to the challenges of uh, governments engaging and communicating with, with citizens. Yes, uh, exciting times, as, as you say. One of the things um, I also wanted to um, talk to you about, which um, really moves on from from what you've mentioned, is the challenges that your clients are facing and, and therefore the opportunities. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you you can help them further in that? Gosh, that's a big question, actually. I could talk about this for three days, but I suspect I shouldn't try. Um, so let's think about uh number of different examples then. So right now, um, let's, let's look at public health problems. So in the UK, we have um, clients in UK government who are responsible for trying to enable parts of or all of British society to improve their everyday health behaviours. So across WPP, from Kantar Public through into Group M and into our public affairs businesses and, and our creative agencies, we can be delivering to them what I'd refer to as fully integrated government communications. So helping them understand the insight issues or working with their data to get to the heart of what formative public policy should look like. Our um, media agencies and our creative agencies then able to think about how to bring those insights to life in campaigns or in delivering that kind of public policy. Our uh, media agencies then putting that out through media, in, uh, improving the targeting of the reach of that public policy. And then businesses, are, Kantar Public, being able to evaluate how effectively that's been done to improve the efficacy of the taxpayer spend. So it's fantastic that we can deliver that whole cycle of um, public policy delivery. Now, our clients don't necessarily want to always work with us in a fully integrated way. They might want to work yes. with us alongside other agencies from um, from other groups, and that's fine too. But it's 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 great that we can think about it in that holistic sense. Or let's go to uh, let's think about some work we're doing at the moment in India, where we're working with. Um, 
an NGO who is in a partnership with the European government and a large-scale corporate. They're together funding um, a very long-term piece of behaviour change work um, across uh, India to really try and improve the vaccination journey of the under twos. So, I mean, this is this is the kind of behaviour change work I've been waiting my entire career to be able to be involved in. It, it, it's absolutely fantastic. And there we've got a partnership between Kantar Public and Group M, yeah. being able to advise the client both on the research and insight, but also on the media strategy. So us being able to combine our different capabilities across the group make us uh, a very strong implementation partner for those kinds of clients. We can be very effective and um, effective both in terms of the efficacy of the work, but also in terms of the way in which they're using their their investment and their money to uh, target key groups. So I think 15 years ago, even 10 years ago, I don't think governments around the world were, were necessarily ready for this kind of thinking around government communications, uh, but they are now, and it's um, it's great to have all of those sort of ingredients in the store cupboard that is WPP to put it all together to be able to assist them. It sounds like it is a truly unique offer for, from WPP to be able to bring uh, all of this together, as you said. And it sounds like the, the work that you're you're doing and getting involved in now can make a real difference. So very exciting. I, I would love to talk a little bit more about you now. <laughs> and um, I, I can clearly see that you're very engaged and very positive about your, your job and your role. I'd love uh, you to talk to me a little bit more about what it is that you truly love about your job. And then on the flip side, there will obviously be elements that you, you, you like less. So if you could talk to us about, you know, both sides of that coin. Um, well, I think anyone who's a sort of uh, extrovert will say what they love about their job in an organisation like WPP is the people, right? So it goes without saying, I love uh, the interactions with people. It's lovely to spend this time with you this morning. So uh, I love the interactions with people, whether that's clients or or with our teams. Um, so from a very young age, as, as far back as I can remember, really, I've been fascinated by issues to do with how societies work yes. and how you try and make them work better. So what I found in academia was I loved the subject matter, um, but the environment wasn't right for me because I like working in teams and I do my best thinking out loud rather than um, written down, etc. So I think what I absolutely love about uh, my job is uh, it's the actual content matter of the issues we wrestle with with our clients I never am going to lose interest in but what I found in WPP and um, in the Kantar public role I, I'm actually extremely competitive <laughs> I like winning and I enjoy the pressure of having to be very commercial so I love pitching I love the thrill of a team rehearsing to win. I like beating the competition. I like commercial strategy. So um, the fact that I'm in an environment where I can bring together my, I suppose, my intellectual interests with my um, appetite for, for business, I think I'm very lucky. 
So uh, that's what I like every day. And I love also the sort of talent side and things and and working on building high-performing teams. So what don't I like? Um, and I suppose right now I'm thinking about some of the challenges I've got in the business with Kantar Public as we're still in very early stages and we're still uh, working on building um, our leadership team and all these different things. We're, in, we're at the, still at the start of year two. Um, I think anyone in my position, we have to be willing to make hard decisions yes. and I'm very willing to make them. When they involve people and uh, their careers, I don't always, I, you know, I don't enjoy that bit mm -hmm. of it. Um, but nonetheless, I know it has to be done when we need to identify if people aren't in the right roles and we need to move them on. But I, I don't like that. Um, and then I think the other thing is, so if I look now at Kantar Public around the world, you know, and the the quality of the client work we're doing, sometimes I'm just frustrated um, the extent to which leadership, particularly at this phase in the development of our Kantar Public brand, can bring you Mm -hmm. more internally focused than I really want to be. Okay. I'm at my happiest when I'm out with clients. So, you know, every every week, at the end of the week, I look at my calendar ahead and the diary ahead. And if I can see that I'm spending more time internally than externally, it frustrates me. Well, I can really identify yeah. with your competitive side and wanting to win and all of that and working in business development myself. So, yes. It's great fun, isn't it? It's great There's fun. There's nothing exactly. better than winning. Nothing yeah. better. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, one of the things I, I did want to talk to you a little bit about um, also was I personally believe that resilience in life and resilience in your career is key to success. Uh, and I wanted to sort of understand from you um, if you believe in the same uh, and also to talk about a time in your career when perhaps you have been knocked down or knocked off course and how you have sort of got back up and, and, and moved forward. Mm. Um I totally agree with you. I think resilience is uh, is such a key factor. And if you look at people who've had, um, I suppose, long and sustained careers, it won't be that nothing nothing bad ever happened or nothing went wrong. It will be that they had the skill and resilience to keep going and work their way through. So, I mean, we all get knockbacks day to day. Sometimes when we're disappointed with the outcome of a, of a pitch or yeah. we, uh, you know, we're disappointed that a client isn't as happy as we would hope they would be or all of these things. So I think day to day, um, we all have to maintain our resilience. I think over the longer term, if I look back um, at my career, certainly when I made the decision to quit academia and and to move into the private sector, I mean, you said earlier that was very brave. I'm not sure it really was because I felt like I had no choice. I couldn't okay. foresee myself continuing. Mm -hmm. I think it was, um, I think I seem to remember I sort of voluntarily made myself unemployed at one point. And I think that was either demonstrating resilience or stupidity <laughs> you know um, and so I think that hunt for that first job and being willing well I, I accepted I needed to take a job at the bottom mm -hmm. um, and uh, alongside people who had much less experience than me at that point I would say that it it required some resilience during that period of time to keep going and to accept the costs of me changing career in that way. Mm -hmm. And I think it took me a long, long time to, to catch up. 2010, um, 
change of election, uh, change of government, Conservatives came in, start of austerity, and I was uh, the CEO of TNS BMRB, and we had been, you know, we'd been doing very, very well. And then um, with the change of government, there was a hiatus in public spending, mm-hmm. and it lasted six months. Now, six months in a business uh, like ours when there is no commissioning from your clients at all yeah. is uh, is pretty terrible. And I remember finding that very difficult. I remember uh, my boss at the time saying something to me uh, which has stuck with me. He said, uh, I was... I was expressing uh, my concern at the fact that you know our, we were we were dropping, we were having to make people redundant, and he said to me, "What did you think you'd only ever manage growth? Did you never think you'd have to manage down?" And I yes. actually remember thinking to myself, "I did actually think I'd only ever manage growth," <laughs> and, um, and that took resilience. I am also very grateful for what the team did then to support me at that time and the business at that time. But we got through it, and we grew yeah. the business back. Uh, and grew it bigger. So um, that was a good lesson. You came back stronger. Yes, we did, yeah. Yeah. I know you're a member of WPP Stella, and I wonder, can you tell me a little bit about how this network has supported you and how it has has helped you uh, over the years within WPP? Oh, it's been, it has been great. And I don't don't mean that lightly, really. So... um, I suppose for me, the the development of Stella also coincided with me being fortunate enough to uh, participate in the X Factor program, which I, I I think the X Factor program tends to be uh, something that people who've been on it have a shared common bond uh, from going okay. through that program. And I think with um, training programs and talent development programs uh, like that, I think um, how impactful they are is both about the quality of the program but also about the moment that it hits you and whether or not it's the moment when you were really needing it and yeah. in retrospect I can see that that was a very important thing for me um, in terms of me raising my game and um, having renewed self-confidence about mm-hmm. what I could do. So Michelle, is there an example of a time that you've been able to um, tap into the WPP Stella network and really make that work for you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's work from the point of view of, of advice and camaraderie, but also actually from a business point of view, I think, increasingly. So um, an example of that was uh, I've, got a, I've got a client at the moment um, from the world of politics, a woman um, who uh, was seeking some advice on, on branding, actually. And uh, so I was able to, you know, get in touch with Jane from Landor, who's very kindly agreed to have lunch uh, with myself and uh, and our potential clients. So I think we're starting to also see it, the, you know, our sort of networks, our friendly networks turn into pretty strong commercial networks too. Um, and as a final question, you've spoken a little bit about a really um, solid piece of advice you've received from um, a boss in, in the past. Um, but I wanted to ask you, what is the best advice you've ever been given? And also, what uh, advice would you give to future generations of female leaders within WPP? So maybe we're going back about 10 years then. So um, when I got my first a CEO role and uh, someone I was working with we were talking about hiring and talent and I was still learning uh, you know how to how to build teams and um, he said to me 
that if I wanted to be a really good CEO, I had to go out and be prepared to hire people that one day I'd report into myself. And I remember thinking, now that's absolutely right, that um, you must be absolutely convinced that your job is to bring the very best talent you can into WPP to fearlessly put together very high performing teams and if you happen to find people who are much better than you then more the better you yes. know and I've um, I've remembered that ever since um, so when it comes to talent because it's the single most important thing you can ever do is build the team of the very best people that you can in order to service your clients. So if your drive is to deliver the best ever client work, then you need the very best people around you. And if you and I, you know, and, and I remember this chap said to me, if you see it as your goal is to hire someone who will one day be more senior than you in the organization, you'll be hiring the right people. And I've stuck with that actually. Excellent. So I think be really fearless with um with the way you look for talent would be, uh, I suppose, the, the lesson I've I've held closest. The other thing is, though, to be generous as much as possible um, with other people and their careers. And I, Laura Citron, who um, used to, who who was uh, working with me when we set up the WPP government practice, she used to use this phrase, the karma economy in WPP, mm -hmm. that um, what you put in you would in the end receive back. And I think she it was really captured it very well. So another stellar uh, woman, Mandy Pooler, one of the things she did for me um, years back, just before, and it was actually part of the reason the WPP government practice got going, she actually made some internal introductions for me that generated the opportunity for me to um, lead the WPP government practice. So I look, I look back on that and I think what other people have done for me, mm -hmm. if we all could fearlessly and self-confidently support each other in, um, in developing careers in that way, I think this issue that women of my generation have wrestled with throughout our careers, which has been it has been a glass ceiling. We are shattering it, but we can get rid of it in one generation yes. if we all do that. Exciting. I, I love the way you talked about, um, you know, bringing in that talent and building that team and then empowering them to, to move on up. And the, the, the karma economy, lovely. Yeah. I'm going to use that myself. Yeah, I can't, I can't claim authorship <laughs> of that myself, but it's always stayed with me. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, great. Thank you very much, Michelle. That's been a really interesting discussion. And thank you for joining WPP Stella podcast. Today. Thank you for having me.